Yeah. And um, why don't we rise to our feet and stretch out and heat up the place? <laughs> it ain't going to make much difference. So you ain't going to do it. Can you really all just stand? Just uh, shake yourself. I don't know why it's so cold. Maybe we can have the blow heaters on. Um, oh, there's a problem with the blow heaters. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Okay. Um, you can take your seats then. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, you might as well put your coat. Um, like um, um, Angela said, we, we, are, we are going to be hosting Alpha as a church um, from the end of this month for 10 weeks. Of course, we've adapted it a little. What's the matter? The battery's dead. Okay, can I have something else then? That shows you we need to be praying. Amen. Um, yeah, so ooh, it's a bit loud. Can we lower it? Is that all right? Is it a bit loud? Is it a bit loud? <laughs> all right. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it's the monitors here for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, okay. Good. Say to your neighbor, it's good to see you in church, even though it's cold. All right, so um, we, we've adapted the alpha a little bit. What we want to do is um, normally there will be cooked food um, when we do alpha, but we'll be settling for cakes and tea and biscuits and stuff like that um, because we'll be doing it here. It's, it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a challenging thing, but we want to really go for it as a church. Uh, if you agree with me, you can say amen. If you don't agree, just keep quiet anyway. No. We're going to do it as a church and have a go and uh, really try and reach our friends. But also, we want to use it to just ground the church in some basics of the Christian faith. Because uh, we're aware that we've had a lot of new people coming in. And uh, not all of us have a good foundation of the Christian faith. So we want to use the Alpha in two ways. One, to ground us in the Christian faith, but also use it as an opportunity to reach our friends, our family uh, members, our colleagues, people we're praying for, and so forth. And one of the things that we are doing as a church this month is we are fasting every day um, for our loved ones that we are believing our Lord Jesus to save. If you have been fasting, say hallelujah. Now, if you are like me, you would probably be having a hard time fasting. How many of you have been having a hard time fasting? Yeah, it's not been easy, but it's been good. Um, I was saying to the leaders the other day that, um, you know, this fast, um, because obviously as a pastor, you call a fast, so you have to set a good example. Because imagine if during the fast, you see me just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm big enough as it is, and then as the thing ends, I've become even bigger. You think, has this guy been fasting? So, um, I, I felt like what I want to do is obviously I fast every day, um, and I, I often, it's very rare. I mean, in my younger days, I found fasting so much easier, but I always struggle when I fast. So 
I said, okay, I'll fast till 4 o'clock every day. You know, that's a good time. You, you can eat properly and the system, your body can, you know. Anyway, so I fast every day till 4. And then uh, I felt like I'll fast on Tuesday till Thursday and not eat anything. So I'll drink coffee and tea. Let's not get carried away. But I'll not eat, I'll not eat anything. Um, and I tell you, I found it so hard. My body was weak. And it's like, hey, I remember this feeling. It's not nice. So, um... I thought, well, at least one thing will happen, you know, my belly will shrink a lot more. Now, normally after, after, after a fast like that in my younger days, my belly will shrink like this. But this one, my belly shrank like this. You know, it's like, so I looked at the mirror for, ah, this is three days without food and just, anyway, but it doesn't matter. It took a while to develop, so anyway. So, um, but I want to just encourage you, you know, that when you are fasting and you're struggling, it's, it's a good thing. It's part of the fast. But the important thing is, is after you fast, you will begin to see the rewards. Now, some of you, you're fasting every day. There's one person who's fasting every day and every night, and it's amazing for, for 31 days. Uh, God bless your life. I don't know who you are. I just, I'm believing somebody is doing that. <laughs> but uh, uh, some of us are fasting once a week. Some of us are fasting twice a week, some of us are fasting every day, some of us are fasting till the evening, you know, um, but we want to encourage all of us to fast. So we're, we've been doing a, a chain fast from Sunday till Saturday every day as a church so that when the Lord looks at our church, he sees that as one man, we are fasting and we're praying to him. So you can fast a meal, you can fast two meals, you can fast all the three meals or all the five meals you eat in a day. Um, but uh, we want to encourage everyone to fast. So I want us to just go through this right now. If we can just bow our heads and close our eyes. And uh, those of us who want to fast, and we're fasting and praying for our loved ones to be saved. If you're a guest, please don't feel under any ob obligation to do this. But if you want to fast, then um, uh, as we go through it, as I call the dates out, you can just um, raise your hand so that we have an idea. So those who want to fast on a Monday, please raise your hand. Bless you. Tuesday, Wednesday. Wow, there's something about Wednesday. So thank you. Thursdays. Oh, Fridays. Ooh, Fridays, another one of those days. Saturdays. Hey, Saturday, I think there's me and one or two. Sa Any more for Saturday? We need some amazing warriors. We still need some more. Instead of looking around, why don't you buy your head and raise your hand? <laughs> and then Sunday. Anyone for Sunday? Hey, again, another challenging day. All right. Any more for Sunday? Any more for Sunday? Sunday roast, you know. Okay, fine. Wonderful. God bless you. Thank you very much. Also, as a church, we've been praying every day. How many of you have been involved in the prayer every day? Wonderful. Now, it's not a lot of us, but, you know, it's been fantastic. Uh, early morning prayer, um, uh, yeah, whoop, whoop. early morning prayer, I tell you, uh, on, I think it was, what day was it? F Friday, was it Friday? I mean, on Friday when I got up, I have to be honest, at 4.30 when I got up, I was thinking, what is happening? And, um, and, uh, as I, and I actually, normally I don't do snooze, but I did, I think one, either Thursday or Friday, I did a snooze. And then I closed my eyes, and, and then as soon as I closed my eyes, I also heard it again. So obviously, it, it must have gone very quickly. And then uh, I got up, and I went, 
Yeah, but, and then when we were praying, man, you could hear, oh, Jesus, I pray. <laughs> but it's good. It's good. And then there are those who log in in the evening as well. Um, how many of you do the evenings? Yeah, and then there are those who, the veterans who do the afternoon. I'm very surprised. The people actually, the afternoon, which is from 12.30 to 1, during their lunch break, instead of them eating, maybe they eat before, but, they, you know, they, they, they log in. So, I want to encourage you to log in and pray. Just go on our website, www.clfgrange.org, and uh, if you want to know how to log in, and join us. It will be fantastic. Amen. All right, I'm going to conclude on our series on healing. And so uh, I need you to help me with the time because obviously we don't have much time. The notes should be given to you um, um, through the um, usual channels, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 16, and I'll read from verse 15. We are talking on ministering healing to others. Uh, we've been dealing with healing as a series. How many of you have been blessed with the series? Okay, fine, not all of you, but amen. Well, I've been blessed. Yeah. And um, Mark chapter 16 from verse 15, he says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Now last week we talked about how to develop um, the healing anointing that God has given to every believer because we emphasize the point that every believer has a healing anointing. In this verse that we read, our Lord Jesus says, those who believe will be saved and baptized will be saved. And then he says, these signs will follow those who believe. He said, one of the signs that follows a believer is that they will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. So anyone who believes in Jesus has a potential to minister healing to those who are sick. Now, you know, for me, it is either the Bible is true or it's not. You know, if it is true, then we have to ask ourselves questions why we don't see the good of it. And often the reason is because we are not aware of it or we choose not to believe it. And it's as deep as that. And so we talked about the fact that every believer has a healing anointing and we can develop our healing anointing through seven key things. One, our availability to minister healing, so we make ourselves available. Secondly, through prayer. Thirdly, through fasting. Four, as we feed on the word of God. Number five, studying about divine healing. Six, submission to authority. And seven, serving a fivefold minister of serving a fivefold ministry. All of these are some of the dynamics that allows us, empowers us to develop in our anointing. And uh, so what we want to look at is how we as believers minister to others, not as an elder, not as a fivefold minister, but as an ordinary believer, how I can minister to others. Now, again, I want to repeat this. Believers can operate in three healing anointings. 
the believer's healing anointing, gifts of healings that the Holy Spirit gives to believers, and also a healing ministry where the believer who is faithful and makes themselves available for God to use them in healing will over time develop credibility whereby God consistently uses them to minister supernaturally in healing to people. That happens. And so every believer has the potential, the potential to operate under these anointings. But not every believer allows himself or realizes it because, like I said, um, at times people don't believe and so forth. Now we treated it already and I don't want to go into it. And there are many situations when you begin to um, serve people, there are many situations that will come your way that you are not prepared for. There are many situations that, you know, just as you do life, will come your way. Somebody says, you know, I've got something wrong with me. And in that instance, what do you do? So I want to address it from that, um, from that angle, where when you are faced with situations that you did not, you did not really prepare for, how do you respond to it? Now, in the school of evangelism, I will treat this aspect of ministering to others in far more detail. But here, I want to just address key things. First of all, when you are faced with situations where you did not prepare for and uh, you need to minister to someone, some of the things that will help you is to recognize your position in Christ your position and your authority in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 to 6 tells us that God who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he has loved us even when we were dead in trespasses and sins made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In other words, Every believer is seated spiritually where Christ is seated. And in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 20 to 23, the scripture tells us that Christ is seated far above all principalities and power and, domin and might and dominion and every name that is named. He's seated far above them. And he also says that God has done something. He has, in verse 22, he says, he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. In other words, Christ, who is the head of the church, is seated above everything. And that's where we're seated. And God has put everything under his feet. We are his body. So the lowest believer, if you please, who's under his feet, has everything under them. So as a child of God, the first and important consideration is this. When you're faced with any situation where there's a supernatural dimension, you need to recognize your position in Christ. Colossians 3, 1 to 3 tells us, if you then be risen with Christ, or if you're raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated, is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hid with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. In other words, as a believer, your old life doesn't count. It's your new life that is now in Christ that means that where Christ is, you are. Therefore, when you're dealing with the enemy, you, you don't deal with the enemy as yourself. You deal with the enemy as a representative of Christ. Many years, a few years ago, 
I was ministering somewhere, and I came to this person to pray for them. I've, you've heard me say this story before. And then there was, there was a demonic manifestation in this person. And the person looked to me and said to me, who are you? The spirit in that person, who are you? And, uh, you know, these demons, they, they can really be persuasive. Who are you? And then they said, you have no authority. You have no authority. You, are, you have no power over me. You have no power. They said it with such conviction. And it was a little girl as well, you know. So when they said it like that, I kind of got spooked. I forgot myself. So I kind of walked away. And then I thought, no, no, no. You'll be the chicken. Go back. So it wasn't even the Holy Spirit. I went back. And then the, the thing looked and said, you, you, are, you have no authority. You're weak. You're weak. And at that point, I realized, you better deal with this thing. Because the people were around you, though. So I said, you are right. I am weak. But Jesus Christ cast you out. Come out. And the thing came out. Now, you see, one day, there's a certain man of God. This, after he had eaten heavily, suddenly they brought this demonized person to him. And the demon operated supernaturally and said, you cannot cast me out. You've just eaten. Name the food. And the guy said, yeah, I've eaten this thing and I'm casting you out. Come out in the name of Jesus. And the thing left. Why? It is not the rice and peas or the fufu or whatever you eat that determines your authority. It's not even what you did last night that determines your authority. It's your position in Christ that determines your authority. And that is very, very important. I have faced many situations where I have been challenged. I remember one of my most dramatic ones was on the streets of Battersea, where I was challenged by this demonized person. And they manifested and they told me how weak I was and I couldn't cast them out. And I was so incensed that I cast them out. <laughs> yes, but it was, it was a very dramatic thing. Um, I'll never forget it. Um, but the point is, is that the enemy will always challenge your authority. So settle it. In yourself, you have no authority. But in Christ, all principalities and powers are under your feet. Amen. That's why you don't need to be spooked by anything. Are you listening to me? I have many testimonies like that I could share about my position in Christ, making me invincible where I should have been vulnerable. Secondly, aside from your position in Christ, second consideration is the authority you have over the enemy. Your authority over the enemy. So we are seated in Christ and then we have specific authority. Luke chapter 10, verse 18 to 19. Our Lord says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 19, behold, I give you the authority. Authority is the right to exercise power. To trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Beloved, this is our privilege. This is why you must never allow whatever dream you have, whatever curse anyone tries to place on you, to have an impact on you. He says, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. These are, these are expressions or manifestations of the demonic spirits. Satan fell as lightning and all those he has authority over, we have authority over them. He said, you have the authority to trample. That was walk over them. Trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the enemy's power. And he said, nothing shall by enemies hurt you. Third consideration is that 
you rely on the leading of the Holy Spirit. When you are faced with situations, learn to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what do you want me to do? Just learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you something. One of the things that we said in the past is the importance of prayer and spending time with the Lord. Because when you are faced with any situation, how you deal with it will come out of the overflow of your relationship with Christ. And that is why we are encouraging you as individuals and as a church to spend time in prayer, to prioritize prayer, prioritize spending time in the word of God, growing in the things of God. Because as you do this, you will learn to recognize the leading of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, verses 13 to 14. Our Lord says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Beloved, this is our heritage. The Holy Spirit, who is God, God, who is um, the third person within the Godhead, he comes to guide us. And we must learn to rely on him. When you got born again, he was the one who revealed Christ to you. He was the one who came to live inside of you. Often he is the one, in fact, almost all the time, he is the one who actually speaks to you. You know, we think that it's God the Father who speaks to us. It is very rarely God the Father who speaks to us. Often it is the person of the Holy Spirit who speaks to us. Often we think it's the Lord Jesus who's speaking to us, but actually it is the person of the Holy Spirit we are dealing with. Now, it, it, the God that is not confused. So even when you say Lord Jesus, he reveals Jesus to you. But the point I want you to understand is that he has always been with you. And if you learn to rely on him, he will do amazing things with you. The fourth thing that is important when you're faced with situations is to act from a place of faith. Hebrews 11:6 says, without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe he is and that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. So when you are faced with a situation, you act trusting God for the outcome. That's what faith is. You act Trusting on what God has showed you in the scriptures for the outcome. You trust God as you pray for that person, as you declare to that situation that because of the word of God, you are going to see something happen. Can you say amen? amen. Romans 14, 23 tells us that whatever is not of faith, whatever is not from faith is sin. So if we are acting out of a place of doubt, we are actually undermining ourselves. And, you know, one thing I'll say about faith is, is this. We act from a place of faith by relying and trusting that God is true and his word is true. I might get it wrong, but God is never wrong. You understand? So you act from a place of faith. The, the fifth thing is this. Use the name of Jesus. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, with the last 10 minutes that I have, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So when you are faced with situations and you're ministering to someone, use the name of Jesus. Call on his name. Make sure you make people know you are acting on behalf of Jesus. You are acting as a representative of Jesus Christ of Nazareth or Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. That's who you are acting on. Don't be afraid to mention his name. Amen. When you're praying for somebody, don't be afraid to mention the name of Jesus. 
Look at Acts chapter 3, verses 12 to 13. After Peter and John had ministered to a crippled guy at the gate called Beautiful, and the guy was healed, and people were being amazed and thinking, wow, what has happened? Look at what they said, what Peter said. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Now some of you are going to be testifying like that in the days to come. You're going to say to people, listen guys, why are you looking at me as if I'm some amazing person? He said, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Verse 16, he says, and his name, that is the name of Jesus, through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. His name, Jesus, and through trusting in his name is what's made this man whole. Yes, the faith which comes through him. You see, the ability to believe that Jesus gives to you has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of all of you. So when you are ministering to people, you are there to look like a fool for Jesus. Amen. And that leads us to the sixth point. Do not be afraid to fail. It's very important. At times, the fear that it's not going to work stops us from moving. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Don't worry. Don't worry about that. That is part of how you grow in anything. Which of you had a child that when the child started walking after whatever months, one day they just got up, Mommy, it's time to walk. That's a bit freaky. I don't think that's ever happened. Not even crawl. They just got up one day. It doesn't work like that. First of all, the muscles have to develop. The legs have to develop. And they crawl. And, they, and then when they, they do the first step, is ah. And then we're all, yeah, do the, the first step. What parent says, come on, walk properly. Ah. No. It's the same with faith. It's the same with the things of the spirit. You take baby steps. And those baby steps excite God and the angels. But as you keep taking steps, your muscles begin to grow. You keep taking steps, your muscles begin to grow. And as time grows on, your anointing begins to increase. Your confidence begins to grow. And the power of God begins to be evident through your life. This shall be the testimony of many of you. So don't be afraid to fail. Psalm 37, 23, and 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. And in anything you do for the Lord, you may fall. Listen, beloved, you may have messed up this week. It's not your end. Look, you're looking at a guy who's messed up thousands of times. 35 years is a long time to mess up. Thousands of times in the Lord. But glory to God, we're still here. Amen. Let me tell you something. It is not the fact that it didn't work that you should, you should be worried about. Don't worry about that. It's the fact that you haven't tried. That's what you should worry about. Look, sometimes it's even good to be able to chalk your failures. Chalk your failures. I remember, let me tell you something. Those of you who find rejection hard. How many of you find rejection hard? I, I find rejection hard. But when you like somebody and they reject you, how hard is that? 
Listen, I am an expert. I, I, I learned to graduate in rejection. Before Aisha, I experienced five major dis- rejections. Forget even the minor ones. I'm talking major, strategic. We pray, we seek God, we believe. Then we approach green, green, confidence. And they say, no point. And then, okay. Then you go, one, two, three. This time it will hit. Mm-mm. Then we see God. And then we move. Good. Mm-mm. After the third rejection, I began to get confidence. I, I went for rejection. Power. I said, Ta. even wrote a song. Fifth rejection. Fifth rejection. Yeah, I'll sing it one day. I'll sing that song one day. I even wrote the song. Yeah. Fifth rejection. Like, this, is, uh, this is life. And when we graduated, then we got the breakthrough. So don't be afraid to fail. Amen. Yeah. Let me tell you, don't be afraid to fail. So listen, beloved, those of you who are dealing with pain, oh, I approach them and they, they, listen, get rid of the pain. Tell the pain to go away. Yeah, don't worry about that. And number seven, learn persistence when you're praying for people. In the Amplified Version, Matthew 7, 7 and 8, It says, ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives, and he who keeps on seeking finds. And to him who keeps on knocking, it will be opened. So you keep on. You keep on. Don't worry. Sometimes I pray for people. Even our Lord, if we have time, we will turn to it. Even our Lord, one day, he prayed twice for the same person to be healed. First time he prayed, he said, I see men walking like trees. Then he prayed again and he said, I see perfectly. Why? Even our Lord needed to persevere. Now, he had complete faith. So, therefore, sometimes I pray the first prayer is me, merely, it's more for me, warming up. In the name of Jesus, be healed. As he, he said, no, no, it's, uh, it's even hard, uh, more. Ow! Hurting more. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's okay. <clears throat> In the name of Jesus, be healed. How is it? It's still there. Third time. Oh, I remember praying for someone the other day. And when I prayed, the, the, the kind of was like, they said, oh, my head said, and I said, okay, I, 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 I waved my hand. I waved it. I did. I actually waved. I went, and they looked at me. And I said, how is it? And they were shocked. They went, oh, <laughs> it's gone. Yeah. You see, my trigger is not the wave in the hand. It's the how is it. When I ask the question, how is it, that's my trigger of faith. Because this, sometimes it's just me warming up. <laughs> Yeah, but there are many times I pray for people and they haven't been healed. There are many. So let's not be, I don't want you to think Jesus has arrived. Jesus has already arrived, but it is, amen. But anyway, the point is, the point I'm making is, is this. Don't be afraid when you pray for people and nothing happens. Keep doing it. Say to your neighbor, keep doing it. So in conclusion, when ministering, what do you do when you're actually, when you're actually ministering to people? One, you pray for the person to be healed. You can just say, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray, you heal this person. Be healed in Jesus' name. Receive your healing. That's the first thing. Secondly, you can lay hands on the person to be healed. 
So that means you put your hand on them. Jack, come here. You're showing me the time. Let me show you how you lay hands on someone. <laughs> so let's say he says he showed this hurting him. The other one. Okay, right. Is it really hurting you? Okay, yeah, because I'm not moving in word of knowledge here. Let's be clear. So if he says he showed this hurting him, you don't grab his hand and say, in the name be healed. You put your hand gently on the shoulder. You don't squeeze it and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. You just touch it gently, or you may place your hand on his forehead. But normally, the area. Now, of course, if it's a private place where it's healed, where they need healing, you don't place your, thank you, you can go. <laughs> you don't place your hand in that place. You just place your hand maybe on your forehead or on your shoulder. You don't say, where did you say? And you know, <laughs> no, 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 no. There's some weird people going in the world. There's some very strange people in the name of prayer acting in very foolish ways. No, 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 no. <laughs> so in my next three minutes and then I'm done. Five minutes and I'm done. So you just lay your hands on their forehead or on their shoulder gently. If it's of the opposite sex, get somebody else to come and lay hands on them. You don't need to lay hands Especially if it's just the two of you, don't lay hands. If it's just the two of you and it's the opposite sex, just, you know, um, just tell them, I'll pray for you. <laughs> and stretch your hands out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, our Lord laid hands on people, but Mark 16, 18 says they will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Thirdly, declare healing when you discern there is faith. You have faith or the person has faith. Sometimes you have faith and the person doesn't have faith. That can work. Sometimes the person has faith and you don't have faith. It can still work. And many times when the person has faith and you don't have faith, it's brilliant because then God gets all the glory for sure. You see, I have had many situations like that where I have prayed for people and honestly, I wish I hadn't, they hadn't asked me. I was afraid to even do anything. Yes, I'm telling you, I was afraid. But they had faith. And because of their faith, they were healed. In spite of me. Amen. But our Lord was hampered at times because of the faith of unbelief of people. And so there is a balance there. But sometimes when you discern there is faith, when you discern there is faith, that person has faith. Act because of their faith. I remember ministering to somebody and they asked for prayer. And you know what? I didn't have faith. So you know what I said? Be it unto you according to your faith. <laughs> That's what I said. And they were healed. <laughs> yeah. And number four, speak to the sickness to leave the body. So at times, you are there, the person is sick, the thing is there, and you feel to speak to that thing. In Luke chapter 4, verses 30 and 39, our Lord rebuked the fever that was in Peter's mom's body. He rebuked it. He told it to leave, and it left. Number five, use, sometimes you may use a natural property to activate a person's faith. So Paul used handkerchiefs. God used cloths. So he would pray over the cloth, give it to the people, and they will be healed. Now, again, these are acts of faith. It's not the cloth. It's the faith that is being used. All right, so we'll stop there, and I want us to pray at this time. We have taught on healing. Next week, we're going to have a healing service. Um, we're going to have Tim Grant come, and uh, we're gonna, he's going to minister, and then we're going to be praying for the sick. Those of you that want to operate in a healing anointing and you want to 
make yourself available for healing. As we're praying for people, I will make um, a call to you to also come and also to be praying for people. But Tim is here. He has a, a wonderful healing ministry. So we're going to take advantage of it. We want to encourage you to bring people who are sick. Amen. Did you hear what I said? What did I say? Yeah. Bring people who are, especially non-believers. Bring them. Look at you, the way you're looking at me. Say to your neighbor, he said, bring people who are sick. Let me tell you something. You'll be surprised what God will do. Your faith to bring them alone is powerful. Then the following week, Steve, our own prophet Steve over there, he will be ministering as well. And again, we will be praying for the sick. And this is a prelim to the Alpha course. So we want to use it and uh, we're going to keep training you as a church in the area of healing. We want the healing anointing to grow like the prophetic has grown. So we want to pray now. Amen? Is that all right? So those of us who are saying to the Lord, Father God, we thank you for your word. We receive your word and we want our healing anointing to increase. I know we prayed into this already, but I want to pray again. If that is you and you're making yourself available to the Lord to minister healing to people, stand where you are right now. We're going to pray and then we're going to receive our offering. As you stand, lift up your hands to the Lord. If you want it, if you don't want it, that's cool. Just stand. You're saying to the Lord, I want an increase on the healing anointing on my life. Father, I pray for these precious ones that are standing. Lord, I ask as they make themselves available to you and those online who have opened their hearts and are saying, yes, they want that anointing. If that is you online, why don't you just indicate to the Lord, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for grace to come upon us. Lord, we make ourselves available. We say let the heavens open over this assembly, over those listening to the sound of my voice. And grant grace to us, Lord, that as we act in faith, we will see the supernatural healing of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may take your seats.